You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Casey Ratzliff is the number one male in U.S. wheelchair tennis and recently had a career high ranking of 15 in singles, which is unheard of for the U.S. wheelchair tennis program. He's young, talented, smart, and hungry to win. Casey made his Paralympic debut at the 2020 Games in Tokyo and has competed in two U.S. Opens as well as other international competitions. Let's catch up with him. So, Casey, I know you've been playing uh, wheelchair tennis for quite a while. How did you get involved in the sport? Oh yeah, that's a that's a good question. That's a loaded question. Um, so, I uh, I guess I'll start uh, talking about my family. So I I grew up in a family of athletes. Um, my uh, my both my parents were were athletes uh, growing up uh, into their uh, college age, and uh, my my dad played uh, football through college. My my mom was a runner, um, and. All of my siblings uh, participated in sports through their younger years as well. My my older brother Taylor, he uh, he uh, played sports through his uh, college career as well. Played football, Division two football, hmm. um, and so and we were massive uh, uh, sports fans. Just as a family, um, we have our teams that were uh, very well behind. Chiefs Nation, we're really excited for the Super Bowl coming up. Yeah, that's uh-huh. my team. So. <laughs> Yeah, pretty uh pretty uh, excited for next Sunday. But um anyways, uh big uh sports fans uh growing up and I was just surrounded by that culture. Um despite having my differences, despite having my disability, um and being surrounded by that and not being involved in anything for the uh, for the first 10 years, first decade of my life, I uh was begging my parents, uh begging my begging them week by week um to, to get me involved in something, to find me a sport. And, um, and, um, we stumbled across, um, a few, it was actually a, a challenge, um, sponsored event that was a track and field event in, uh, Wichita, Kansas, which is where I grew up. Um, and it was a challenge event, um, which is pretty, uh, coincidental. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, so I did track and field there, and that that was one of my earliest um, um, disabled sports experiences, if you will. Um, my first uh, time dabbling with a disabled sport, and um, I, I had also kind of fallen in love in in snow skiing at that point. I loved snow skiing. My me and my family would go a couple times a year up to Colorado to snow ski, and um, being from Wichita, Kansas, um, there aren't very many mountains nearby. It's not really um, the easiest sport to undertake unless you are happy with going to the slopes a couple times a year and that that being the maximum. But um, yeah, we were just looking around in our area and um, we uh, eventually stumbled upon a flyer that we found in uh, the church that we were going to at the time. And um, it was a, a advertisement for a adaptive sports clinic that was being held at one of my, uh, local high schools, hmm. um, in, in Wichita. And 
we were like, heck yeah, let's go. That's that's awesome. Great news. Exactly what we were looking for. And uh, we went and uh, there was a uh, handful of different uh, sports that were there that uh, a bunch of people were hosting and um, sports like hand cycling and bocce ball and basketball. Basketball is one of the biggest uh, adaptive sports in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, as a lot of people know, but, um, but one of the, um, exhibits that was being held there was, uh, for tennis, for wheelchair tennis. And, um, growing up, I was not really a, a huge tennis fan personally. My dad, he, um, one of his ta- favorite, one of his favorite, um, tennis players growing up was, uh, John McEnroe and he was a big Jamie Connors fan. And, um, so he was, uh, and he, he had played tennis as well through high school and a little bit in college. So, um, he, uh, he had some, uh, connection with tennis there, but I, I had no personal interest in it at the time. I didn't really, and I didn't really think it possible at all for someone like me to be able to play tennis. Um, I had no idea that the sport even existed, but, um, and that exhibit was being run by, uh, a guy called Nick Taylor. Um, who you may have heard of before. Um, Mm -hmm. Nick Taylor is a multiple-time gold medalist in the Paralympics, multiple-time Grand Slam champion. Um, Just a fantastic, fantastic, legendary career in wheelchair tennis. And um, one of my mentors, even to this day, uh, into his retirement, um, he retired just recently um, from the sport, and he's moved on to bocce ball. But... Um, he was there and, uh, was the first guy who, who, who stuck me into a, uh, uh, a tennis chair and, and slapped a racket into my hand. And <laughs> just from that, that moment on, I, it, it sort of clicked with me. And I remember the first time I hit the ball, bumped the ball over the net. It was just, I don't know, something, something really connected with me. And I, it, I, Nick saw my, my, uh, potential even with my disability um my my physical talents and um my ability to maneuver the chair and he was like yeah this kid could be good um he he tells a story all the time uh he he actually saw me hitting for the very first time and he went over to my to my mother who was with me and he was like i could have your son compete on the junior national team by um by 2013 because this or 2012 2012 or 2013 so within a couple of years this was the summer of uh 2011 by the way um wow. so yeah it, yeah it also, see, so within a year he thought he could have you ready huh oh uh, yeah and uh yeah and as it turns out i was i was on the junior national team by 2013 um, but I, I, after that, after that initial, uh, exposure to it, um, I had gotten, uh, linked up with a, uh, small wheelchair tennis community within wheelchair tennis, just a handful of players that would get together every week and play and just started hitting with these guys. And they were all, uh, they were all older gentlemen. Um, but they accepted, accepted me into this, into their community wholeheartedly and nick took me under his wing and um really helped accelerate my uh 
early development tremendously. And um, he helped me network with some very important people that, um, that also helped me get to where I am today. And um, those, or those early years were, were very, very ripe and very important um, in regards to my, my develop with wheelchair t- development with wheelchair tennis and, um, and Nick to this day is, you know, one of my most cherished friends and mentors. So, um, and it goes on and on, but that's, that was, uh, my first exposure with the sport. So. And what do you think it was Casey about that first, uh, when you first went out to that, uh, you know, demo and, and, and tried it. I mean, what, what was it about the sport that really clicked with you and, and resonated with you? I think, and this is, this is something that a lot of the players can universally say about wheelchair tennis, but I think it's the sheer applicability it has with able-bodied tennis. Like you don't need, uh, you don't need special equipment. You don't need a different court. You don't need this and that. You just need a racket and a wheelchair pretty much because you can eat i mean you can go out and play wheelchair tennis in your in your day chair if you if you want to i mean but it's it's the same court the same balls and um the only the only difference with wheelchair tennis um in comparison to its able-bodied counterpart is that uh the wheelchair tennis uh athletes get they get two bounces and it's an optional second bounce um and other than that, it's completely, uh, completely the same rule set, equipment, all that. So I think that's one of the things that kind of drew me to it. Like, man, like I can, like I remember my first thoughts were, if I get decent enough to hit the ball around, I can go and play tennis with my friends. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. that was one of the the early earliest motivators was being able to just go out to the tennis courts and hit tennis balls with my friends and maybe play on the middle school team as well and be able to play some matches, you know? And, and at that, that 2011 event, how, um, how old were you? Oh, I was, I was 11 or 12 years old. I was born in 98. So okay, I think I was turning 12 that year. So, so by the age of 12, that, that's how you, Around the age of twelve was when you were introduced to sport, then, huh? Yeah, yeah. I I, I believe I was eleven at the time, but I, I I was turning twelve in September, so yeah. I was eleven. Yeah. And so, looking back at you know, you know more than twelve years later, even uh, what still what still keeps you involved in the sport? Well, it's it's uh, apart from being the reason why I know so many fantastic people and have so many fantastic connections in my life and opportunities. It's, it's in my opinion, easily one of the fastest growing disabled sports, adaptive sports in the world. And in my opinion, it's the most professionalized, Mm. um, you know, just recently with the, the, expansion of the grand slam draws that's a massive massive deal that i think a lot of players uh, back in the day who uh helped develop the sport uh would never dream of happening i mean it was their wildest dreams and it's happening today that the uh the money is getting better the 
the exposure is getting better. And I think a lot of people are starting to really get a good look at wheelchair tennis and seeing just how professionalized um, these athletes are. And the people that I look up to in my sport are just as hardworking, just as dedicated as the people that you see on TV, like Novak Djokovic and all these big names. They're just as dedicated, just as hardworking. Mm-hmm. And the sport is really getting a lot of, uh, a lot of eyes and a lot of exposure. Um, and it's really, really encouraging and exciting to be a part of that. Um, because it's been kind of like a decade by decade growth and, uh, wheelchair tennis is a really in a really good spot right now, I'd say. And what was it for you that, that clicked that, in terms of when you realized that you you were you know good enough and wanted to pursue it as you know as an elite athlete yeah that's that's a good question so i I mentioned uh you know one of my earliest uh motives if if you will was to just be able to go out and play tennis with my friends um at school um, but my first international professional wheelchair tennis experience, if you will, was a world team cup event in 2013 and world team cup for us is like the Davis cup for, um, the able-bodied side. It's, it's the same, it's our Davis cup counterpart. Um, and in 2013, just like a year and a half after I started playing, um, I was invited to be on the junior national team. And that was my first, dive into the uh, pro wheelchair tennis community and seeing the world's best and seeing how just how far wheelchair tennis can be can be taken and that was one of the most incredible and important experiences in my tennis career thus far Um, and it was where it was the event and place where I met a lot of my good friends who were my teammates for the past however many years it's been since 2013. And, um, it was a super, super important event in time in my life, um, in my career for sure. And that's, that's where I decided like, yeah, I I'm looking at these top guys and that's what I want to do. Like, this is, this is amazing. Like who would have thought, somebody like me could do this and it was really encouraging. And that's, that's when I decided that I was going to chase this. And I know, um, since we're featuring it in the magazine, I wanted to talk a little bit about like the basics. So like what kind of equipment maybe, you know, and obviously there's a difference between the equipment that you started out (laughs) with and the equipment that like you use now, uh, since you're, you know, at the elite level. So, uh, take right. us through that and, and the equipment that maybe you used or that beginners might use and, it, and equipment right. that you use. Right. Well, this goes back to wheelchair tennis being so um, one-on-one with able-bodied tennis. I mean, you use the same equipment when it comes to rackets and string and stuff like that. So, I mean, starting off, depending on what age you are, you're probably going to start with a different racket that you can handle at, at, you know, being a kid and, um, and then you move up, you move up in 
racket technology and size and all that when you get older and stronger. But um, in regards to the equipment that I use, um, one of the cool things about uh, tennis chairs is that, or wheelchair athletes in general using chairs, is that as your body grows, the chair has to grow as well. And as the body develops, the chair, the chair has to develop as well. And the chair follows a linear path with your physical development as well. Um, I personally have gone through, I think, I think like four chairs at this point, <laughs> just as I've gotten bigger and stronger mm -hmm. um, and have uh, developed into the, the, to the man I am today. Um, you constantly, constantly are working through uh, what you can and cannot do and um, figuring out just how far you can take your disability and push your limits and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the chair is just the extension of yourself and it can be the limiter or the, uh, I don't know what the correct terminology for this would be, but it can help, uh, help you perform better. It can be the, um, supplement to your game, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, but, uh, specifically you have different wheel sizes. Uh, I started off with 25 inch, uh, 25 inch wheels and I moved up to 26 and 27 and the reasoning behind that is because every time you increase your uh, wheel width size, which that's what it's measuring. Um, so one end to the other end, it's a harder push. Um, now a bigger wheel, a bigger wheel maintains its speed a lot better, but it's a harder push right out of the gate. So if you get stopped, it's a lot harder to get back, get your speed back. Um, and so as I, developed into a more and more into adulthood uh and got stronger and stronger i would move up these different wheel sizes 25 inch 26 and 27 inch and you'll see a lot of the top guys pushing 27 inch that's kind of the the cap there mm. um but there's when it comes to the chair specifically it's that's probably the most diverse uh equipment product that you'll see in the sport um everybody's got different measurements and uh, necessities and there's a plethora of different brands out there that people use and there's your bigger names, but um, the chair is completely customized to your needs and your disability and your capabilities and whatnot. So that's uh, very diverse in that regard. <coughs> yeah. And what, what kind of, and what about the racket itself? Cause I know there's a lot of uh, difference or differentiation maybe right. between different the rackets and even even at the elite level like so i know like in terms of how it's strung and stuff like of that of course yeah yeah that's all that's all uh completely the same uh, that you'll see on the able bodied side i mean with rackets you have different weights you have different um string patterns <coughs> excuse me um different head sizes um that's all completely um down to the player and what you feel like works best for you. Um, I've switched my racket 
a couple of times and I'm, I'm feels like I'm constantly changing my string, uh, recently, but, uh, it really hasn't been that much comparatively, but the stringing is, is what you'll see change a, a bit more often. Um, and that's extremely customizable, um, coming down to the different tensions and, um, you can put more than one string in your racket. Um, different strings do different things and there's different types of string, uh, that affect the way that the ball feels on your racket and the general feel of the racket. Um, but, uh, yeah, the racket, there's no player that'll have the exact same setup. It's, it's very, very customizable to what the player feels like he, he performs the best with. Yeah. Injury free anyways. (laughs) Exactly. And, Do you like, and obviously if we talked a little bit about, um, matches and, and like there's men's and there's doubles, can you, can you tell me a little bit about what, what do you play or maybe what you prefer and, and, and do you play both? Yeah. Yeah. So in wheelchair tennis, you play both, uh, singles and doubles. So at, at at the Australian open, for instance, that I I just played at, um, there was a, a singles and a doubles, um, a singles and a doubles draw. Um, and I, I enjoy both really. Um, I, they both have their different obstacles. Um, with doubles, uh, it's, it's a lot harder since you're going to these tournaments and you're basically messaging guys like, Hey, do you want to play here? Do you want to play here? Um, and a lot of the times you're playing with guys that you've never had experience with or have very little experience with. So you're going to play these super high level tournaments and, <laughs> having to really perform with a guy you don't have a ton of experience with as opposed to at least that's, that's my case being from the States and a lot of these players that uh, are on the tour in Europe and um, <clears throat> have their doubles partners, but uh, being from the States and being so far away from a lot of the, the, the highest level or the body of the highest level of wheelchair tennis, it's a little bit of an obstacle for me. Uh, but I still enjoy doubles. Um, I think doubles is, and a lot of people would attest to this, doubles is one of the best products of wheelchair tennis. Just the, the strategical aspect of it. Um, the You can see very clearly that the, the strategical way that the players will manipulate their chairs and gain leverage little by little within the point. And that can be, a little harder to spot in uh, a singles match when you're watching wheelchair tennis, but doubles is a very good wheelchair tennis product product for sure. Um, but I think I perform personally a lot better in singles. I have better results and, um, on the single side of things and, um, and you know, singles has, the unique obstacle of it being just you out there and you problem solving and you have to figure out <laughs> how the match is going to go and, and, and the problems that arise uh, in each match. Cause every, every tennis match is an up and down battle. So, um, but I, I enjoy both. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the Australian open, which you <laughs> recently came back from. Um, what are the, what are the various opens and and how um, has wheelchair tennis been included as part of these these big international competitions? Yeah, so 
um, initially when uh, when tennis was uh, uh, founded back in the seventies, um, it wasn't in any of the slams or any of the the largest. It was kind of its own thing. But uh, through the decades and through the evolution of wheelchair tennis, if you will, uh, it has been slowly uh, incorporated into these. Um, events that coexist with the uh, ATP and W2, WTA events. Um, and of course, that includes the Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head which of the Slams was the first one to uh, host wheelchair tennis. I think it was the Australian Open, but it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, I think it was in the early 2000s. Um, but decade by decade, it's it's gotten more and more included. And it's kind of a snowball effect because the other slams that we'll look at, like the very first slam that uh, introduced Wizard Tennis into, his, um, into the event, the other slams will look at that and be like, oh man, I can't let them have the one up on me. I got to <laughs> include this as well. And it's kind of a snowball effect. And it happened pretty sequentially that they all uh, um, started to introduce uh, Wizard Tennis as part of their product uh, of tennis as a whole. So, um, And Wizard Tennis is um, featured at all four slams now. So you have Wimbledon, you got the French Open, you have a Roland Garros, you have uh, Australian Open, the US Open. And I, at this point in my career, have... Uh, had the opportunity to compete at the U.S. Open as a wild card three years, and uh, I was able to qualify into the main draw for the Australian Open just this year for the very first time. That's awesome! Yeah, and so I hope uh, or assume that the other two were on your list at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the next one would be uh, uh, Roland Garros. That's the next uh, next slam. That's that's the the next one on my radar and as of now where wheelchair tennis sits with with the slams it's uh it's well first of all it's a new development that the slams have uh expanded their uh draws of wheelchair tennis so historically and i'm just regarding the men's side of things it's different for the men uh women in the quads um quad division being the quadriplegic division mm-hmm. yep. um but historically the men have been uh a draw of eight and the u.s open expanded their draws just this uh last event to 16 mm-hmm. and the french open uh did 12 uh last year as well so there's a definitely a trend that they're starting to follow. They're they're starting to expand their draws and allow more wheelchair tennis players to play, which is really, really, really amazing for our sport and really encouraging. But um, yeah, uh, I got off track. I forgot what I was talking about. But <laughs> yeah, no, and that's I mean that's a, a great. That, that, I know we went, you mentioned it before, but I, I think it's exciting to hear that it's just it allows more competitors to enter the. Yeah, enter the game, which will just increase the interest in the sport in general. Um, Absolutely, yeah. People will want to play because they can play, so that's exciting. And and outside the slams, 
like what other kind of because i know that as, as you alluded to you know it's one of the few professional sports that you can make a you know a living at essentially yeah uh as a as a as an adaptive athlete and so what other kind of competitions outside of the slams are are there available for for like wheelchair tennis players yeah so wheelchair tennis has the uniqlo wheelchair tennis tour it's sponsored by uniqlo um and that is essentially a entire full year calendar uh it's a lot like the uh atp and wta side of things but um it's a full calendar where players can pick and choose their uh schedule um and go play these tournaments so <clears throat> really if you wanted as a player if you were psychotic enough you could play a you could play a tennis match a, a tennis tournament every weekend of the year pretty much <laughs> i mean there's there's it's it's hard to find a dead time with which are tennis tournaments um with 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 the calendar so uh that's what uh that's what uh, these these wheelchair tennis athletes, including myself, are are playing year round. Yeah, um, and the slams are a part of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So outside the slams, you could be. You, I mean, you could be playing every other weekend as well. And, and yeah. there's really not a season then, right? It's not like a lot of sports that you know. They this is the start of the season. This is the end of season. <laughs> this could be year round for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. A season is the, the tennis season, if you will, is completely up to the player. Um, there is a the if if you would uh, if you would discern the off season being on the calendar, it probably would be later in the year in the December and January months. They kind of fall off, and there aren't a lot of as many tournaments uh, in those months. So you could consider that being a, a off season, if you will. But still, there are tournaments to play and but no i mean that and that's something that people ask all the time like when do you play when do you when's your off season and <laughs> and and whatnot and you're playing year round i mean you're traveling at least a couple times a month and that's just how it is i mean you're always playing so <laughs> so dedication is definitely one factor <laughs> yeah yeah and uh airline miles that's for sure <laughs> And how do you train? What when, when, you mentioned, obviously, uh, no off season. So how do you train when you're not competing? Yeah. So I mean, and you know, going back to the the calendar and the flexibility of it, you can of course pick and choose what you play and and have it be um, appropriate for what you want to do uh, with your or how you want to train and how you want to compete because you can't compete back to back to back to back forever. I mean. It's just unreasonable. So um, I usually have a period where I play. Oftentimes, it'll be two tournaments in a row and then have a couple weeks off. Two tournaments in a row, then a couple weeks off. Um, and that's uh, not a given in every instance. But uh, when I am home, uh, it's usually on average for a couple weeks. And from there, I have my, my schedule at home and my, my coach at home. So, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit, my coach as well. We haven't talked about him yet, but, um, his name is Justin DeSanto and I being from Wichita, Kansas, I went to Wichita state university where I'm still currently a, a student at online. Um, I live in Birmingham, Alabama at the moment, but anyways, 
uh, I met Justin at Wichita State University. Um, I was with uh, a, a former coach of, of Nick Taylor. His name was Jeff Clark. I was with him through uh, from when I began playing tennis um, uh, into my college years. Um, he, he got a j- different job opportunity, moved away, and um, I had to find a different coach. And I met Justin at... Uh, at Wichita State University, he was he got the uh, assistant coaching job there, and he was there for five years. And um, he had no idea about wheelchair tennis; he had never coached it before. And um, Nick, who was also a, uh, uh, he he is involved with the Wichita State tennis program as well. He he got us connected, and we started hating. And uh, Justin is. Incredible coach, uh, both wheelchair and able-bodied. His ability to learn the sport and develop players is is incredible. And he he was fascinated with, with uh, wheelchair tennis and learned it very very quickly. And um, he's been one of the biggest, if not the biggest, reason why I have had the success that I've had for the past six six seven years that we've been together um so um when i'm home in in birmingham i'm i moved away from from wichita kansas i i moved uh in september of last year because justin actually got the head coaching job at the university of alabama at birmingham and he was like he was like hey you can come and help out with the team and uh, learn a little bit about college tennis and uh also we can still um train together and continue this relationship so um he's been extremely instrumental uh in my career for a while now but that's that's who I have when I'm home and um we have our schedule worked out um accordingly he has his job of course being a head coach and mm-hmm. um also training a professional wheelchair tennis player. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but um, <laughs> it takes a lot of responsibility for me to uh, step up and handle my things or handle things on my own. Since, you know, he's not always the most available, um, which is completely fine. I mean, it's totally, uh, totally acceptable since he's running a, a college tennis team, but he, we have done fantastically and he's, pushed me to um my highest uh thus far so um, awesome. but the yeah but we anyways the, that's that's who I'm training with when I'm home and <clears throat> we have uh a handful of connections here that um in Birmingham to help help me with hits and practices uh when I need them but um yeah, my training is 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 very good in Birmingham. That's that's awesome. And my last question for you is, um, like, if there's you know kids or other adults uh, just interested in getting in the, into the sport, what would you recommend? Yeah, so I I would say uh, you want to always want to start locally. Um, that's what I did, and it it worked out for me. And you never know what you can find, but. Uh, uh, look into going into your sections, uh, your USDA sections, and see, seeing if they have any anyone available. But um, 
I, I would encourage anyone who's really, really interested in getting into, into wheelchair tennis, uh, to not be afraid to reach out to, to any of, of the athletes, including myself, um, and asking questions and asking for advice. Um, one of, one of my biggest joys with my opportunity to play wheelchair tennis and be a professional athlete is inspiring others and, uh, being able to be in a position where I'm, I'm looked up to, uh, in a sense. So, um, don't be afraid to reach out and, and, and push your limits and, um, get out there and try things, um, push your comfort zone and test your, your, your capabilities and, you never know what's possible. So, um, but the resources are out there. And I think if you, um, look into your respective sections and look into the USDA and, um, you'll find some names there and some contacts and we're all very, very, very open to new players. That's for sure. That's one of the, the themes with which are tennis in the United States right now is, uh, always looking for, for young players who are willing to, uh, to try it out. So, yeah.